for what the Holy Ghost can do in a service, aren't you? Praise God. I want to talk to you tonight with the help of the Lord on compassion. This is a message or a thought that is tremendously deep in my heart. Um, If I have to have a scripture, it would be John 11 and 35. Jesus simply wept. The compassion of God. Dear Lord, we love you. I ask you, Lord, to be in this midst tonight. Help me, Lord, as I minister your word to your people. And God, I'm going to give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? You may be seated. In the very beginning, Adam, God created Adam in Genesis chapter 2. God told Adam, he said, I I want you to eat of every tree that's in the midst of the garden. But he said, there's one tree in the midst of the garden, in verse 16, praise God, that you're not to eat of, verse 17, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says, for in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we know what Adam did. We know that Adam had ate of the tree and Adam had fell into sin. And what's amazing to me is the fact that when God came down to look for Adam, he did not walk in the middle of the garden and scream, Adam, where are you? Get out here now. I want to see you. I've got something I want to tell you. I worked awful hard to build a beautiful garden. I worked awful hard to give you a place that you could have. I made you in innocence. I made you in perfectness. Get out here, Adam. I want to deal with you right now. He didn't do that. Praise God. God walked through the midst of the garden that day, and even though he was God and he knew where Adam was, he called unto Adam, praise God, because he did not want to humiliate Adam. He did not want to put Adam down. He wanted Adam, when he said, Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to come to the knowledge. He knew where he was. He could have pointed him out and called him out. He was an all-knowing God. But he wanted Adam himself to come to grips. When Adam was ready to come to God, God was ready. And it just blows my mind that God did not say to Adam, Get out here. I need to talk to you. Do you realize what you've done? But God was so loving and God was so compassionate that all he did was have a soft, small voice and say unto him, Adam, where are you? Where are you at? What's going on? I've heard preachers that has gotten up and preached with, uh, you know, you know, sin. You're going to die. You're going to go to heaven with sin. And then they say, well, I want to be Christ-like. But God said, Adam, where are you? Praise God. It wasn't long later until <clears throat> Cain come along. And the Bible said that Cain took of the, of the ground and, and he offered it unto God. And uh, God told Adam, he said, they came to him with uh, fig leaves on. And God said, that's not going to do. You need coats of skin. There has to be a shed blood. My sacrifice unto God is not going to be that of the ground. It's cursed. I cursed it. But Cain felt like, 
I'll just do what I want to. I'll come to God the way that I want to. Praise God. And so Cain did. He came to God the way that he wanted to, and he presented it unto God, and his attitude probably was pretty bad. Well, there, there's my sacrifice. I got it done. And then when his brother came with the blood sacrifice, Abel, and he gave that blood sacrifice, praise the Lord, uh, God come along and he blessed Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't bless Cain's. And Cain was so angry, praise God. And God come along and, and God tried to warn him. The God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that made all things, took his time to humble himself and to talk to Abel just like an equal. What are you going to do, Abel? What are you going to do, Cain? I'm sorry. What are you going to do, Cain? What are you going to do? One day Cain and Abel was into the field and Cain got angry with Abel. And it's not my fault, it's your fault. Praise God. And the Bible said he struck him and killed him. Once again, God did not come to Cain and say, Cain, what did you do? Look at this. Wait, you killed your brother. Praise God. The blood that's on the field. What did you do, Cain? I'm telling you, Cain. Praise God, I'm angry with you. He asked Cain, he said, Cain, once again, he said, where's your brother's keeper? Or I'm sorry, where's your brother? And Cain said, you know, am I my brother's keeper? Once again, God was not judgmental. God was not condemning. God was not, you know, throwing out the judgment. God was saying, Cain, do you realize where you are? Do you realize what's going on? Cain, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And God said, you know, for every action there is a, there is a price to pay and there's going to be a mark on you. It was then Cain said, ah, it's more than I can bear. He was not sorry that he sinned. He's sorry that he had to pay the consequences. Once again, you don't see where God says, I'm... You know, I'm irritated with you. I'm angry with you. I'm upset with you. You've done wrong. You've done, the, you know, the wrong thing. He didn't do that. If you go on down through Scripture, you will find a little lady by the name of Ruth. And Ruth, praise the Lord, she was a Moab. She was not of the lineage of Israel. But Ruth loved God. She loved the things of God. You know, God could have looked at her and said, you know what? You're not an Israelite. You're not one of ours. We live in a world today where there is so much prejudiceness of so many ways. Praise God. There's prejudice all around. God could have said, look, you're not a Jew. I can love you and I can have a relationship with you, but you're not a Jew. Amen. But Ruth loved God and lived for God and walked with him. And God used her even in his lineage. The compassion of God. Then there was a man by the name of David. David was well educated in the things of God. David was intelligent in the ways of God. David was a smart man. He wrote psalms. He wrote all these things. He had a relationship with God. He was strong with God. But in one night on a rooftop, looking over to the top, he saw a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And he looked down at her and he called unto her. And before you know it, one thing led into another. 
Praise God. And they went too far. And the next thing you know, David, his calling, or Bathsheba's calling David and saying, I'm pregnant. And David's like, oh no. And so David, with his power that God has given him, and with the ability that God has given him, he calls her husband in Uriah, and he gets him drunk, and he sends him home. Hopefully, it'll cover up everything, and they'll think it's Uriah's child. But Uriah, being the dedicated soldier that he was, would not go into his wife and slept on the doorstep. God called him back and realized, amen, after the second time, that it was not going to be any good. And so he sent him out. And he sent him out into the war zone where he would be killed. And once he was killed, he called Bathsheba in and he married her. Once again, when you look at God, God doesn't come down. He doesn't say to David, look, you would not be in the position you're in if it was not for me. You knew better. You wrote the Psalms. You know what the commandments was. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not uh, steal, which he stole her wife. Thou shalt not kill, praise God. And you did it. Praise the Lord. I have made you king over Israel. I have blessed you. I'm telling you what, David. I'm going to shut you out. No. What did he do? He sent the prophet Nathan to him. And Nathan told him a story about a man that had one lamb. And his neighbor had many lambs. And that the many lamb neighbor took his one lamb away from him. David, in his heart with condemnation not realizing, rose up and brought judgment down upon this man. And Nathan looked at him once again without the judgmental of God, said unto him, And David, thou art the man. You've condemned yourself. I'm telling you tonight, we worship a God of compassion. We worship a God of love. We worship a God of concern. All down through the biblical scriptures, God has always reached out with compassion. God has always reached out with love. Can you see Jesus as he walks down the streets when he was upon this earth and the compassion that poured out of him? He was the very God robed in flesh. One day he sat at the well. He had 12 condemning disciples. And he sent them away because he did not want them to ruin what he was about to do. There was a Samaritan woman that came. The Samaritan woman was half Jew, half Gentile. She was a half-breed. She was worse than a Gentile. and, And she was worse, praise God, to a Gentile, to a Jew. She was from Samaria. Samaria was one of the people that just went off into sin and went off with the Romans and kind of pled into the Romans and, and took their sides. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And here Jesus was sitting at the well and here's somebody that in his blood he should have hated, his nation hated, came up 
to the well. Praise God. And Jesus, with all his compassion, looked at her and said unto her, he said, would you give me something to drink? And she realized, praise God, this man should not even be talking to me. This man should not even be giving me attention. This man ought to look to me like dirt. This man ought not let me to touch him. But he's saying unto me, praise God, would you give me something to drink? The compassion that flowed out of Jesus that day. Praise God, the loving mercy that he gave unto her. Praise God, as he said it that well. Because Jesus wanted to give her the living water. The woman that was brought to him in adultery. Everyone around him condemned her. Even his disciples condemned her. She was caught into adultery. We know that they didn't care about judgment because where was the man? But they was wanting to trick Jesus. But you see, Jesus went farther past that. He didn't care if they wanted to trick him or not. All he could see was a woman that was hurting. Praise God. Why does she live that kind of lifestyle? Why does she do that kind of thing? She must be filth. She must be of no good. Praise God. It, it's, it's, she just, she's dirt. Don't touch her. Don't go around her. Don't, don't do anything with her. Praise God. Because she's, she's, just, she's just no good. But Jesus looks at her, praise God, and he realizes, amen, the pain that she's in. They brought her, and they passed it her to his feet, and had requested to stone her. Amen. Jesus looks at her, amen, and I'm sure she did things she should have never done. She probably broke up homes. She probably did things that she had never done. But Jesus had compassion on Praise God. Even to the point that he would stand toe to toe with the Pharisees and the scribes and his own disciples and look them in the eye and say unto them, Ye without sin cast the first stone. The compassion that God had. The compassion that Jesus had. Jesus had called his 12 disciples and one of them was named Judas Iscariot. Jesus called him. He knew what Judas was going to do. He knew the way that Judas was going to be. For three and a half years, Judas followed him. He watched him as he opened the blinded eyes. He watched him as he raised the dead. He watched him as he fed the 5,000. He watched Jesus as the compassionate part of Jesus. Every day he got up. He was never tired of the crowds. He was never tired to touch people. He was never tired to heal and to move and to touch and to move. Can you see in your mind Jesus walking down the streets, just healing and touching and weeping and crying, praise God, and having the compassion to reach out because people probably got into their situations on their own accord, but that didn't matter to him. He still had compassion over them. And he called a man by Judas, by the name, and he said, I want you to be my disciple. Jesus follows him. For three and a half years, he watched Jesus. He had nothing on him. When the trial came, Judas, if anyone 
could have said anything that he did that he shouldn't have done. It would have been Judas because he was there all the time. But if you read the scriptures, Judas was totally quiet. He had nothing to say to condemn him. But yet Jesus loved Judas. And Judas betrayed Jesus. At that last supper, Jesus reached forth and he grabbed the dip of the bread. And the Bible said he reached over. And they said, you know, one, this night, he said, one of you will betray me. And all of a sudden, the disciples come alive. Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? It would have been very easy for Jesus to reach across, point to Judas and say, It's you, Judas. You knew. It's you. You, you, you're going to betray me. You're going to turn me in for 30 pieces of silver. It's you, Judas. Boys, it's him. He's the traitor. But you see, the compassion and part of Jesus doesn't do that. He said, the one I dip in the salt, that's the one that's going to betray me. And as the party went on, Jesus watched as Judas, with all the rest of the disciples, being busy about what they're doing. Judas doesn't want to do anything to hurt, or Jesus doesn't want to do anything to hurt Jesus, Judas, or to bring him out, or to show him, or to bring any kind of condemnation upon him. He just tells the rest of the disciples, the one that I dip within the salt, if you were sitting there that day, it was a custom. To where if you were sitting at a table, just like we sit when we fellowship, and if you broke the bread and you reached in that sop to get some, get some of the juice, if somebody wanted to say to you, I love you, if somebody wanted to say to you, I want to reach out to you, if somebody wanted to say to you, I want to make men's with you, you would dip with them in the sop. Judas reached across there and he dipped in the sop while he was talking possibly. And all of a sudden he felt something else in that sop. And he looked over into the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus with his compassion looked at him. A man that was going to betray him. A man that was going to cause him to call out in the garden. Lord if it be possible let this cup pass from me as great drops of blood poured out of his pores. He, got, he was going to cry this out. But yet, with all that in mind, the compassion of Jesus looked across at him and said, Judas, you've got a chance. You've got a chance. Jesus is walking along the shore of Galilee one day, looked up and saw a fisherman by the name of Peter. Praise God. Peter had been out all night fishing. He had caught no fish. They probably, what they lived on, so it was a bad situation. He, man, Peter was not what you call a real ethical man at the time. But Jesus looked at him. Jesus told him, he said, I want you to cast your nets out on the right side of the boat. Peter said, Lord, we fished all night and haven't caught anything. Jesus says, Peter, please, because you've allowed me to use your boat, cast your nets out. 
Peter cast the nets out. And when he began to pull them in, it was that unmistakable feel of live fish. If any fisherman's ever had a fish on the line, they know what that feeling is. And he pulled them in. And for three and a half years, he walked with Jesus. He dined with Jesus. He sat beside Jesus. He watched him again as he healed the lame, touched the blind, opened the blinded eyes, raised the dead. He watched him as he forgave sins. He watched him as people that were mad in their mind, that could not, could not, and they would scratch themselves, cut themselves, throw themselves in the fire. He watched this man called Jesus as he would say unto them, come out of him, and the devils would come out of him. He watched him as he had so much compassion, so much compassion. I said, God, let me be like you. Let me have compassion. Let the compassion of the Holy Ghost flow through me. Let me have compassion. Let me not be judgmental towards people in the ways that they are. Let me be more like you. But Peter had walked with him for three and a half years. And then come that night, the disciples were arguing. I'm going to sit on his right. No, I'm going to sit on his right. No, I'm going to sit on his left. No, I'm going to sit on his left. Jesus, who's going to sit on your right? Who's going to sit on your left? Come on, you know. And Jesus is there. And, and, and Jesus is like, I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm here not to give uh, you a natural Victory. I'm here to give you a spiritual victory for eternity. I'm here to save your souls. But who will be on your right? Who will be on your left? Who will be this? Who will be that? And Jesus is sitting there and he's, he mentioned to them, you know, I'm going to be attacked and you're going to scatter. Oh, no, we're not going to scatter. No, not me. Peter stands up and said, mm, not me. Every one of them around here might scatter, but not me, Lord. I'm not going to scatter. Sometimes when people stand up and do things they shouldn't do or, or take the headship like that and we watch them fall, we think, oh, they deserve that. They really deserve their fall. They really deserve their kick. Peter stood up and said, oh, and Jesus just very compassionately looked at him and said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. No, Lord, not I. Mm -mm, not me. Praise God. So they came. They got Jesus. They carried him away. The disciples dispersed, dispersed. For three and a half years, they had a relationship with him. They watched him as he raised the dead, touched the blinded eyes, healed the lame. And now that he's caught and carried away to, to Pilate's house, now they're hiding. They're, they're, they're gone. Praise the Lord. Jesus is carried into the judgment hall. Pilate, praise God, is standing to, to judge him along with uh, the Sanhedrin. And, 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 and John comes to the door, and he knows the woman at the door, and he talks to the woman and brings in Peter. Peter comes into the door. Peter walks up with all the rest, 
all the rest of the people. And he's warming himself by the fire. He's hoping to get lost in the group. He's hoping that they won't notice and that he can just be in, in the group and he doesn't acknowledge himself as being a part of Jesus. He's not up there. He's back with the group, warming himself in the fire. And I'm sure that Jesus is standing up there and Jesus is looking back at him. Hey man, have you ever been in a situation where somebody was embarrassed that you were their friend and they would either ignore you or pretend like they don't know you? Especially as a child. Hey man, kids can do that. You know, they, they, they'll, you know, and that's what Peter was doing. Peter was ignoring Jesus. And then, as Peter stood there, a damsel come up and said, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. A maid walked along and said, This fellow was with Jesus. I seen him. Peter's like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't with him. Someone said, surely thou also art one of them because your speech betray you. You're talking like a galley. And in Matthew chapter 26 and 74, it says, and he began to curse. I don't know him. Three and a half years, you've walked with him. Three and a half years, you've talked with him. Three and a half years, he's been your bread and butter. Three and a half years, he's taught you. Three and a half years, he's poured his life into you. And just because they've captured him and that there may be a death, you, praise God, denounce him? What's the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus, the cock crew, and Jesus looked over at Peter. He just looked at him. You know, Jesus, when they said, what proof of you that you've not done <clears throat> anything wrong? Jesus could have said, oh, wait, wait a minute. Peter, hey, Peter, over there by the fire. Peter. John. John, by the fire. Hey, hey guys, bring them over. Jesus knew he betrayed him. He knew he was going to betray him. Do you know how much passion God's got? And I just got this from the Holy Ghost. God's got so much compassion that he didn't die for just the church that was going to be saved. He died for the world. In the mind of God, he knew he knew who would be saved. He knew who would call on his name. He knew everything that you would need in life and everything that everybody else would walk away from. But he said, I love them so much, even though they will not take advantage of it. I will pay for it. He didn't just die for the saints. He died for the sinner. He went to the cross, and whenever he was standing that, that day, he looked over at Peter, and all he did was look at him. No one else in the place realized what was going on. He wasn't going to call him out. He wasn't going to condemn him. He wasn't going to shame him. He wasn't going to put him down. He was not going to make an example of him. 
He was not going to do anything other than just look at him and say, I love you, Peter. We sing that song, he had compassion on me. Touch mine eyes, now I see. Healed my feet, now I walk in his way. He had compassion on me. I want you to know tonight that God has so much compassion. Isaiah, you know, I was reading, I was looking up faith. And do you realize that there is only two times in the Old Testament that faith is mentioned? And one time it talks about how that there is really no faith. And the second time talks about how that faith is to come. But it's only two times. There are hundreds of times in the New Testament. It's because when Christ came and died on Calvary, it was the thing that brought us the faith. But I want you to know tonight, Isaiah 53 Praise God. And five says, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. And his chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I want you to know tonight that God has so much compassion on you. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you have. I don't know what it is that you may have done, but I do know this. And I know there is a God in heaven that loves you so much that his arms are open to whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you desire. Praise God. God loves you. He'll never turn you down. He'll never not forgive you. All you have to do is reach out to Him. Let's stand tonight. Everybody in the New Testament that ever came to Jesus, He never turned them down. He never pushed them away. You know, the Bible said that in the book of Acts, praise God, they saw the grace of God. How do you see the grace of God? The grace of God is something that you don't see. It's, 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 it's a form that's invisible. But you know what I think they saw? I think they saw the grace of God's people. The grace that they had for each other. The love and the concern that they had to want to see it get through. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God wants us to have that kind of compassion in our heart. He wants us to have that kind of love. We say we want to be like Jesus. Do we want to have the compassion that Jesus had? Do we want to have the love that he had? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. You know, if the devil can cause us to be judgmental, amen, then that judgmental will turn on us someday. But if we can just be loving and compassionate and forgiving and understanding, oh, what God can do in our lives. I'm going to open these altars up tonight. Why don't you come and draw on that compassionate Christ tonight? If you've struggled in your mind, 
thinking God will never forgive me for that. God will never overlook that. I hope tonight you've learned that He will. He will. He will. He will. If you in your mind think that God could never love you or never care for you or never want to provide for you, I promise you tonight, He will. He will. He will. Let's open these altars. Come on. Praise God. Let's move. Let's start to continue to feel the presence that we felt here tonight. Oh, God. Let the Lord look at you right now. Let the Lord look into your face. Oh, God. Hallelujah, Lord. The compassion of God. The compassion of God. He's on the throne. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I have preached your word. As your servant, Lord, I've spoken your word to your people. I'm asking you right now to let your spirit come through this place. Lord, touch these people. Let them feel you like never before. Let their faith rise to the point to where you they will allow you to do what you want them to do in your life. Oh, God. God, help us tonight. Help us tonight, dear God, to soften under your presence, to soften under your spirit. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place.
just think of